Welcome to the podcast. Come be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. kitchen table at all uh, for this conversation and the peaches is not here so both of the things that we told you in the intro are incorrect but Dave Pendleton is here yes I am and we are I'm but I'm not even with you live I'm doing this thing over the computer that's true Dave Pendleton's not even here nothing that nothing. I not prefer to do but it is what it is nothing is as it seems David is in Shipshawana, Indiana doing a show you did a show last night right I did I did and I got a show tonight at the Blue Gate theater and I just saw on the uh, little screen um that promotes the upcoming shows that you're going to be here for Valentine's. Oh, I'm glad you said that because, uh, <laughs> I've forgotten. So that's, I, I figured that that would be a helpful piece of information for you. And, and it, you'd be happy to know that you are being advertised <clears throat> for upcoming show in February, yeah. which will be here before we know it. Yeah. It'll be good for me to, it'll be good for me to be there. If they're going to advertise it. Well, yeah, either that or I can just drive up and fill in for you. So we, we could theoretically do that. We've, if, I feel like we've <laughs> done that before. Haven't we filled in for each other in a pinch? On various- yeah. yeah. Rare, it has happened rarely, maybe once um, where something came up and, and, you know, we had to do that. We had no choice. No yeah, either I lost my voice or got sick or so. I'm trying to remember the specifics, but I do remember that that had to happen. So, and it was very nice of you to cover for me. Well, and Dave, I don't know if I've ever covered for you. Well, you're but on I this know podcast you- right now, right? Last minute. Say that again. I, I didn't hear you. You broke up through this uh, system. I said you're on this. Pod- what did you say? You're on this podcast last minute. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You're scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to find somebody to be on a podcast with you. Uh, No, No. actually, I was thinking about all of the things that we have said that we needed to talk about and that we haven't Mm -hmm. have a chance to talk about them. Uh, But one of the things that I definitely wanted to get your, uh, I don't know. Thoughts is not the right word, but you're, you're starting a new project there in Fishers and, uh, that's, that's coming up in January, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Fishers comedy and magic. So for Carl, um, if you go to Fishers comedy and magic.com, you'll actually see something there on the website. Uh, but hopefully that will be, updated very very soon what you'll see is a show that we i did uh with john mobley 
a couple of years ago, actually. I just used that web domain. So I've had the web domain for a while and I've had this vision and this dream to start up um, a venue in Fisher's, Fisher's Comedy and Magic. So I'm starting to get down the road on that. And very shortly, uh, we will have some shows on the books uh, ready to start promoting. Um, my hope and goal is to have a show at the end of January with Robert G. Lee. And I'm assuming that Carl would be very familiar with Robert G. Lee. Uh, you've you've interviewed Robert on this podcast, haven't you? Yeah, he's been on the podcast uh, a couple of times, I think. It's been a while, so. Yeah. So, uh, and then I've also asked you, John, to be a part of that, that very first show mm. uh, at the end of January. And then I want to have four more shows lined up, uh, one a month uh, for, you know, the next four months, four or five months. So um, that's the goal. And hopefully we can get this thing rolling such that we're doing more than just one show a month. Like it'd be great if we could do it every other week or even ultimately that we just have a regularly running venue uh, with comedy in there on a regular basis. Yeah, like three shows a day. <laughs> sure. Yeah, shows exactly. Shows at nine and noon and then like right. at 7 p.m. 9 a.m., noon and 7 p.m. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Fisher's, Fisher's being the uh, hot spot, you know, of tourists. I, yeah, I'm Fisher's, sure we can get all that tourist traffic in there. <laughs> Fisher's being the Branson, Missouri of Indiana. <laughs> exactly. I think that the people of Fisher's would like to be. Yeah. So, so thanks for letting me uh, make a shout out there to Carl about that. Hopefully Carl um, will be able to come to the show once it's or shows once they're up and running. Well, I approve of anybody doing, doing comedy, specifically live comedy, because as we are experiencing today, virtual stuff just is not up to snuff. Is it? I mean, virtual stuff just doesn't, no. doesn't flip the flapjacks. No, no, <laughs> no, it does not. No, the, I was I was really pleased with the response of the audience last night. We had a couple hundred people last night up here at the Blue Gate. And I'm always amazed that, um, I don't know, that people still come out to my show <laughs> up here. But uh, they were a very, very responsive, warm audience. And it was just really a lot of fun. So I... there's just nothing like being together in a live show, sitting next to each other being together in proximity. Yeah. So, no, I, I a hundred percent agree. I've never had a bad show at Chipshawana. Even. Yeah. I've, I've had some, some meager sparsely attended shows, but even those weren't, weren't bad. Um, I think that, I, I think that we have, uh, that as we become more and more divided uh, as a nation, that the, one of the symptoms, one of the reasons for that is our, <clears throat> is the fact that we've withdrawn now. A lot of people have withdrawn into uh, virtual, virtual world, you know, because we, we can Zoom stuff now and we can, uh, we can speak to each other on our cell phones. And 
you know, it, it, even even that has given us, has made it possible so that we don't have to be together to communicate with each other. We don't have to be in proximity, in fellowship, in order to communicate. And so a lot of our conversations have become very utilitarian. We have a, a purpose and a, a reason for getting together or else we don't get together. You know, we don't just go and hang out at the, uh, at the general store in the rocking chairs on the front porch and shoot the breeze about whatever happens to be going on in our minds. You know, we're, we're very yeah. intentional about getting together now. Yep, that's really true. So yeah. I think that. Oh, so I'm glad that you were intentional about getting this conversation started. <laughs> well, I was I was going to segue into that too, because I was thinking um, earlier today. It's like, well, what are we going to talk about on the podcast when Dave and I uh, get together? And I thought you know, there are several things that we could discuss, and I just thought, you know, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it kind of open. Uh, I have a a couple of things, but I, but I don't want to be necessarily intentional. You know, one of the, the, when we started this podcast originally, the idea was we were just going to flip on the recorder and record whatever conversation was taking place in, in the room at the time. And that's a somewhat problematic format because it's difficult to do guests you know, because you, you call somebody and say, hey, you want to be on my podcast? And they immediately go, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> and, um, well, sure. Yeah. yeah. I, everybody thinks that. I mean, I certainly think that. Um, and you you want a podcast to be interesting for for Carl. Like right. you don't you don't want it to be this totally boring conversation. So anyway. <laughs> no, no. But but in thinking about conversations, um and and fellowship and getting together and all of that and this I, I hadn't even thought about talking about this Dave so we're I'm freewheeling this yeah. as a result of the yeah, way that we started this show. I know <laughs> but we don't we we didn't uh, used to do that and part of the problem that we have it's with unity part of the reason that we can't we can't maintain friends and relationships in this culture is because there's this pressure now to have there be some sort of uh, quality to every interaction that we have with other people, right? You know, it's it's like, well, I'm not going to call Dave. Why? Well, I don't have anything to talk about. Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And it does make sense. It does make sense to go, well, you know, I'm not just going to bother him. I'm not just going to call him up and interrupt his day for absolutely no reason. And so there's a certain reasonableness to that thinking. But but what I've noticed, at least in my personal experience, is that I don't talk to friends very often because we're not in proximity to each other. I don't see them. We're not we're not gathering together in a regular in, in on the regular. And so so I, I don't talk to them because Yeah. Yeah. Although you are one of the few people in my life that I feel like I can just call for no reason whatsoever. And you know that I do that <laughs> on uh, some, I've done it more than others in, in various seasons. 
but um, or done it, you know, more often than not in various seasons in my life. But um, I've always just really appreciated that about you is that I could just call you up and what's up? How you doing? And we just start talking. So I think guys have a hard time doing that um, or a harder time doing that than uh, women do. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think that women are just more prone to do that than guys are? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably true. Not being a woman myself, but from observing, I think that they, I, I, I think that they, they almost kind of expect it. Um, and this is where it would be nice to have, it would be nice to have the female perspective on here at this point. But I, I think that women sort of have, uh, the, uh, the opposite issue in that if you don't call for no reason, you know, and just, and just initiate a conversation, well then that that's, that's indicative of the fact that there's a problem, you know, that you're, that maybe there's the relationship is in jeopardy now because you haven't, I haven't heard from you this week. So <laughs> are you mad at me? Oh yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. don't think the guys, I don't think the guys do that, but I, 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 and I don't know, I'm, I'm just spitballing here, but I think just in general that our culture has become less, uh, capable and comfortable with, with, uh, conversations for lack of a better term with conversations that aren't, planned and structured and uh, and have some sort of organization or purpose stated beforehand like yeah. you, don't, you you don't have you don't have people in a uh, in a boardroom you know starting a conference call and going all right what do you guys want to talk about I mean, that doesn't <laughs> well happen. that's true they have an agenda <laughs> yeah and, and I think we have all agenda we all have an agenda now uh, kind of when we when we uh, get together. Yeah. And of course you're not saying that an agenda, having an agenda is bad or, you know, any of that. No. You're just saying that uh, that has been extended into areas uh, where it ought not be, um, or it, it's just become so agenda driven that um, you lose a certain relational, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, a, a certain relational connection um, that just is more humanized. It's, there's more spontaneity. It just, it feels, it feels more like friendship. Um, so I, I agree that that's, that that has happened. Uh, and I'm not so sure that, you know, all the things that we look to now like social media and technology that's supposed to be connecting us to each other is really um, doing that in a way that is healthy. Uh, go so, on. <laughs> well, I, I just think um, there is nothing, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's nothing that replaces face-to-face -face, um, being together in physical proximity. I mean, we keep circling back to that. So I feel like I'm just being redundant. Uh, 
but um, we're fooling ourselves if we think that um, connection that we're having with people over Facebook is somehow qualitatively the same uh, or or um, just as good as you know being together face to face. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. But as you were talking, I had another, I had a thought come through my head that we were talking about the benefits of having conversations just spontaneously without an agenda and with no particular purpose. And that is essentially what a lot of social media is, is people posting things, posting pictures of their lunch, you know, posting, posting a video of going up their front yard because the snow has fallen last night and, uh, and there's ice on the window. You know, these are things that, that you wouldn't call a meeting for. I mean, these are things that are right. You know, spontaneous off the top of your head, just in the moment things. Um, and so I feel like I'm, I'm agreeing with you and, and it's creating some anxiety because I realize I'm contradicting myself. I'm holding. contradictory. (laughs) Well, yeah, I, I think what happens is it, there's a capacity. I don't know. Maybe it's a capacity thing. It's just, it's, it's almost like it's just too much. I can't, I can't take it all in and have all these relationships all at once. Uh, that's where I just think it's a capacity issue. At least it is for me. Well, is that what it is though? Is is that the difference when we're talking about, uh, going down and sitting on the rocking chair on the front porch at the general store and just, you know, shucking the jive with the, uh, guys that are down there on no particular subject versus going to social media, which is essentially a, uh, a megaphone that you use to, to basically post uh, what's going on to everybody at one time, all of your friends at once. Right, so right. It's, it's that's, a, that's what I mean by capacity. So right. yeah, keep going. Right. <clears throat> and so, but that, that is where it ceases to be uh, an actual conversation and an actual uh, relational. Yes. It's, it's not relational right. because it's, it's not much different from what you and I do when we stand on stage, we stand Correct. on stage and we talk and we present things to an audience, but the audience doesn't feed back. And if they, if they do, if they do feed back in, in some meaningful way, other than you know, laughter and applause as, yeah, as a laughter group. Applause, right. There's obviously that kind of feedback, but I know what you're saying. But yes. they don't they don't offer their perspective. But when they right. do, it's an individual. You can you can find somebody in the audience and then you individualize, yes. you know, the the feedback they're saying, you know, there then it does become a conversation. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and so I I think that the striving that people have on social media. We, we were talking about this a little, a couple of weeks ago that everybody has a, an idea 
on social media that they are going to be an influencer. That's the whole goal on social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is to is to attract more people. No matter how many people you have, you're always looking to get more people to what to pay attention to what you're saying. You know, to, right? To and like and it. to maintain that. Right. Oh my goodness. To try to maintain, you know, that the the audience that you have the uh, the followers and etc. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, it's very difficult to do because it's it's, uh, yeah, it's like what we do on stage when you, you know, you you're, you're entertaining them and the audience is captivated. You you have captivated the audience and you have their attention, but they won't continue to sit there indefinitely while you, you know, while you meander around and look for something right. else to talk about. <laughs> you know. <laughs> If you're a magician, you can, you do a card trick and they're like, Ooh, that was great. And they'll applaud, but they're not going to stick around for 20 minutes while you go, Hmm. All right. What should I do next? <laughs> well, that's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. And so that, and, is, and, and neither would you like no. you and I would both leave the room, you know, if that's what was happening. So no, but, but then if I was sitting on the porch at the store in a rocking chair with that magician. Yes. And, and he said a thing. He told a story about, I don't know, finding a toad in his basement, you know, <laughs> and then that story, I would appreciate that story. And then when it was over, if he just went back to, you know, smoking his pipe or sipping <laughs> his apple cider. Yeah. I wouldn't get up and leave and go, well, I'm bored. Yeah. But, right. Right. Yes. But that is, is, literally what is happening now in in younger generations hmm. you know hmm. there there is an expectation that uh that everything that we're going to be able to keep scrolling this is what scrolling has done for people yeah is that yeah it's like i posted something that you didn't think was interesting so you just scroll past it and you keep scrolling until you find something that's interesting and then you take that thing in and then you keep scrolling and you can scroll you can scroll for infinity right just keep right. looking yep. for the for the next great video or great picture or funny joke and you scroll past you scroll past people you know we're scrolling yep. past people in order <laughs> yeah. to find some sort of uh emotional or intellectual stimulation well and and what we haven't touched on at all is kind of the addictive nature of of what you're describing there. Uh, I I actually don't. I'm not on Instagram. Um, I am seldom on Facebook. I'm not a social media kind of guy, and I know that that makes me well. It dates me for one thing. It sort of indicates, all right, you're you're of a, a bygone generation, so to speak. You're a or, dinosaur. Or, but yeah, you're a dinosaur, you're an older generation. But it's not as if there aren't people my generation or even older that haven't kind of gotten um, hooked into that. Right. Um, but I do look around me at times, and you know me, like you remember that I was, I was a way uh, long holdout with a flip phone. Like I had the old flip phone and I and I held out for a very long time. 
I remember when uh, you got finally got a an actual smartphone. How how great it was to be able to send you emojis. Remember how many emojis yeah. I sent you that first day? Oh, I remember. Yes, yes. Yeah, and it was fun and playful, and you know, like that was fun to do. And and I do take advantage of you know all the various features. Um, well, I shouldn't even say that. I don't take full advantage of all of the various features, but I, but it was. Um, it was a good upgrade for me. It's, it certainly is a lot easier to be able to text people and to be in touch in terms of things that need to happen, uh, to be able to use apps, et cetera. Um, but again, I try to just use it as convenient technology, but I also just, I, I, I want to limit to a certain extent some of the scrolling that you're describing, uh, because I know that that can just become something very, very addictive. So I don't know. I, I I'm just once again, I, just like you, stream of consciousness here. But it does seem like that there's a very, very addictive uh, component to what you're describing. I know some people that can't go for very long without their phone. And I've noticed that people, there are people who, when a conversation uh, wanes, for example, to go back to my people yeah. in the rocking chair on the porch, that is when, when, when the conversation stopped, that is when they would look down at their phone. Yeah. And the phone comes out and they start whatever with it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, yeah. and I, uh, I'm not, I really am not trying to, to throw mud on any particular thing in culture right now i'm just I'm, I'm just thinking about how how it has affected me and how different how, how different i am for you know having it, it doesn't even it doesn't even really register with me anymore when people are just looking at their phones and they're scrolling you know or they're texting or whatever while they're in the room right, right, right. in the room yes, together it's just so normal now. Yeah. And they're in the room together with other people and nobody is talking, nobody's interacting with each other, but we are, but we're looking at our phones and interacting with other people. And I suppose you could say, well, that is, that is communication, right? And, and people would say that they would say, you're just because you're texting doesn't mean that you're not, you're not communicating. It's a just, it's a different form of communication. Um, yeah. Same thing on yeah. Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And I would concur. I don't, I don't think that texting and, and emojis and posting videos on Facebook is something that has risen up from the fires of hell. Um, right. Right. But I, I do think that it has, it's made me think differently uh, about, about picking up the phone and calling somebody basically, mm, which is where yeah. this started. Yeah. This yeah. started. I, I I just don't. I don't feel at liberty. Very often, to call somebody, um, unless it's like one of my kids, or you know, I can call my mom. You can always call your mom, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I don't. I, yeah. You know, I just have this uh, sense of what's the word? I I, I guess. A conversation on a phone it should be very important. 
I mean, you should have something very significant that you want to talk about before you interrupt somebody with a phone call. Yeah. And what's strange about right. that is phones have been around for a long time, and I don't think people used to feel that way. Maybe they did. But when when you called somebody's house, remember telephones used to have, used to be in a house. <laughs> remember that, Dave? Yeah. And I do. And they and and some of them were in really little houses on the street that had a yes. little folding door. Yeah, a little a little folding door and uh, and no bathroom. But right. You, but you didn't you didn't go when the phone you looked at the phone as a convenience and a way to to actually get in touch with somebody like right now. You didn't go. Oh, I don't want to bother them with a the phone call. I'll just write a letter. You know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. But now, and maybe yeah. that's what texting is. Maybe texting is just that. Oh, I just, I just want to ask one question. I just, I just need the answer to one question. So I'm going to send a text, get the answer to that question back, and then be done. And that's not a bad thing, I guess, is it? No, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, none of these are bad things. It's right. just that we're just making observations about. Um, the uh, benefits and some uh, downsides or liabilities to some of this technology. Because right. all technology has a component that's where there's a, a positive and a negative. You know, there's no such thing as something that has only 100% positive impact and zero negative impact. Right. Everything is always going to have a little bit of both. Right. I, I'm not I'm saying that as if I'm as if that's some profound thing that I'm putting out there in the world that nobody else knows. It's just it's just clear though that um, that is always the case. Well, yeah, and you have to be aware of that. Right. Um, I think that again, I'm talking for me. One of the things that I've noticed is that when people are uh, for texting, and when I when I say texting, I mean just generally communicating using something other than uh, than uh, words than than speaking, you know, in a face to face manner. That there are texting and uh, and talking are two different forms of communication. And and we don't talk the way that we write. If you're gonna if you're gonna write something down for somebody, if I'm gonna write you an email, that email is going to read differently than when I talk to you. Because right. because I can speak in sentence fragments, I can I can leave participles dangling, I can do all sorts of literature literarily incorrect things and you still understand what I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm communicating. No, as a matter of fact, yes. And, and it would be, it's also very difficult to um, put intonation. <clears throat> was that little chime you or me? That was, was that you? me. I didn't even know that that was going through the, but okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to put intonation into the written word um, that can make all the difference right. in, in what you're trying to communicate. So, right. And so 
that being said, I think there are brains that are an increasing number of brains, human people who are, <laughs> okay. who are not good at putting their thoughts together. They're not good at connecting their thoughts precisely mm. because they don't have to, because they, yeah. they spend all of their communication is in text form and it's in I see. little emojis and, uh, and GIFs. You know, the number of the yeah. number of people who respond now, uh, even on social media, with a GIF, with a with a picture, rather yeah. than rather than expressing their thoughts in some sort of verbal or written manner, I think is having an impact on our ability to uh, to think. You know, I think yeah. that there are people who who aren't capable of thinking. What they do is they look for. Uh, a gif or a meme that that sort of expresses whatever they happen to be feeling and they just post that and then they leave it up to the viewer to interpret what they mean by that and i think that that's one of the things that social media has done is it's put the otis on me to interpret whatever it is you're trying to say in, in your in your cobbled together uh, text message or your GIF. Hmm. Okay. While you were talking, John, you were scrolling this. <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't scrolling. You totally, uh, you know how OCD I can be, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, you were talking about GIFs and I just went to Google and asked Google, how do you pronounce G-I-F? It's pronounced GIF with a hard G, isn't it? It is. It says, if you're a hard G, thank you. We know you're right. That's right. According to Giffy, GIF is pronounced with a hard G, unlike GIF, the peanut butter. Mm -hmm. That's February 26th of 2020. Uh, here's a timeline of the debate about how to pronounce GIF. And so anyway, there are various, yeah. uh, there are various YouTube videos on that. So the problem is I've been saying it that way for so long that that's just how it comes out. That's how it comes out. Well, it's totally fine. Um, but it's not because what it does is it makes people, it takes people completely out of the conversation while they marvel at how somebody can be as old as I am and still incapable of pronouncing the word correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it reminds me of years ago, I was um, talking with a friend of mine who had just read a book, um, a book on leadership. And I don't even remember the book, but he said, um, the author talked about these things called paradigms uh -huh. and how we can have a paradigm <laughs> shift. And, uh, uh, and I just thought that was fantastic because he had only ever read the word. Right. And in his head, he looked at it, P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M and thought, oh, paradigm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, never had ever heard anybody say paradigm. And so, so yeah, it did do just that. It, it created what people call cognitive noise. 
where it was like I couldn't hear anything else you were saying at that point. Except paradigm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway. Or, or if you're a hard G person, it would be paradigm. <laughs> exactly. There's a case where the G is soft. Mm-hmm. A paradigm. <laughs> By well, his mispronunciation, but, actually, but that would the be proper a- the proper pronunciation is that the G is silent. So which is it? Maybe the G is supposed to be silent in GIF. Maybe all this time we should talk about sending ifs. If because <laughs> the G is silent. Graphic information. Well, just I- like the, just like the G is silent in Carl, right? Yeah. Isn't there a silent so, G in Carl? There is. There's a silent okay. P is at the front and a, the GH is silent at the end. Yeah, got uh, it. So I, I think that that would be a, a check mark in the pro column for text messages, right? Because you can send, send <laughs> texts to each other and you have no idea whether that is being pronounced correctly or not. And it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how you right. pronounce the words. Right in uh, in written form, yeah. So there would be there would be a plus, there would be a a benefit of written versus versus spoken. Yeah. So this is yeah. not going to be an easy knot to untangle. I, <laughs> <clears throat> oh my goodness! I would I did want to uh, mention the the thought that went through my head when I first started talking about doing this podcast was I found out that the Waukesha, the guy who ran over all those people at the Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Oh yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Uh, they sentenced him last week. Okay. And he got like, I don't know, 750 years. Like he got six life sentences and then some other, and then 25 years for, each account for something else and then another 20 years for something else. So all told it was like 1200 years that he's going to serve. Okay. In, uh, in prison. I, if he's able. Right. <laughs> and wow. The thought that I, and I guess what that has to all go in there so that, so that it can be certain that he will never, ever, ever, ever have the opportunity to be released. Well, as certain as you can be, right? Yeah. Um. But I, I don't know how you feel about the death penalty. Um. Well, here's a segue. I don't know how you feel about the death penalty, but I am. Uh, I'm I'm kind of for it because I'm thinking about. Well, first of all, in the, in the scripture, you know, the Old Testament and and the New Testament are they're kind of pro death penalty. I mean, you, yeah, the the case in the New Testament is well, you're supposed to forgive, you're supposed to forgive, and you're supposed to turn the other cheek, and all of that is true. Those are those are things that Christians are supposed to do, turn the other cheek. But if you've been killed, um, you can't turn the other cheek. And my right. my thinking goes to okay, what is the what's the benefit of putting somebody in prison for life? 
I mean, what what is what is what is the outcome, or what is the purpose of that? If if it's just, and, and I'm genuinely asking, are are we doing that yeah. as as a punishment so that that person will live um, the remainder of their life uh, in misery? Is that is that the goal to for the for the sake of the family and the people that he has that he has uh, murdered or killed? Um, yes. Do we want him to just suffer, uh, and languish in prison and be unhappy for the rest of his life? Because if that's if that's the goal, how is that cruelty different from the cruelty that he has perpetrated right. himself? I mean, right. how, is yeah. there is there yeah. something noble in wanting another person to suffer if that person has caused somebody else to suffer to begin with? Hmm. Um. Well, um, wow. Well, okay. I want to circle that. Th- those are, that's really uh, fascinating. Uh, what you're, all the issues that you're raising there, but something I want to circle back to, you know, you first, or what you brought up in the midst of that, um, is uh, the death sentence mm-hmm. or the death penalty. Right. And what immediately came to my mind, because you said, I don't know you know, where you stand on the death penalty or how you feel about the death penalty, et cetera. But a question that comes to my mind is, have you ever been friends with or have you ever known anyone personally who was on death row? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I don't recall anybody, any of my friends, being on death row. No. Okay. So uh, I knew and interacted with. I wouldn't say that we were close friends, but interacted with Carla Faye Tucker, uh, who was a woman on death row. Uh, in Texas uh, years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I was among, you know, the people in her life that, you know, prayed hard that Carla Faye's sentence would be commuted uh, and sought out uh, at that time George W. Bush uh, as the governor of Texas uh, to commute her sentence. And so my point in all of that is to say, uh, um, knowing somebody that's on death row has a tendency to affect how you feel about it and and, uh, what your connection is to the issue emotionally. And so that definitely affected me. I, I was more prone to basically support or um, or or say, yes, I think that uh, death row or the death the death penalty is uh, is a positive thing, or you know, I'm I'm for it. I'm in favor of the death penalty, et cetera. I was more prone to say that 
before I actually knew someone and interacted with someone who was facing the death penalty. Sure. And, and as, as it turned out, Carla's uh, sentence was not commuted. Um, and she was put to death. I was not there, but I had, um, a very close friend who actually went to her execution, uh, which is by lethal injection. And, um, you know, she basically faced all of her friends, uh, from behind glass, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, said her goodbyes and then faced the family of the victim and um, her response to them was, please forgive me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she was also a situation where she was strung out on drugs when the the, uh, murder was committed, not excusing it, but she said almost mercifully, you know, God did not even allow me to remember uh, what I did. But I recognize that I did it. So she's not trying to say, you know, that wasn't me. Uh, you know, she totally owned uh, what she did and recognized that it was, you know, egregious. But she was also somebody who came to faith uh, while on death row. Mm-hmm. And so she had made peace with God, if you will. Um <clears throat> You know, she had given her life to him, and I really felt like that she was very genuine. Um, I sensed from interaction with her that she was just a very genuine, solid believer. So, so this is, I think, what happens or what can happen, and even this guy who committed just the terrible atrocities that he committed in this parade, uh, even he um, is capable of coming to a place of repentance. And I think um, prison can do that for people. And there are some people, and I've met them, and I think you have too, John, at least, you know, you might not um, be you know, close friends with people, but I know because you and I have done work in prison before where we've interacted with people who have committed terrible crimes, been incarcerated, and have come face-to-face with with God and uh, have committed their lives to Christ as their Savior. So um, that's another side of it that, um, you know, I don't know how to explain, but I just, all I can do is describe uh, what I've seen and observed uh, in that world. Right. Well, I don't have any doubt that knowing somebody on death row would would change the perspective. Uh, I also think that if I had a loved one who was murdered by somebody who's on death row, that that would change my perspective as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. No doubt about that. And, you know, any sort of, um, 
any sort of thoughts that I would have about somebody going to prison and and having a change of heart and being then, uh, you know, redeemed. I I would I immediately extend that to the people who were run over in that parade, you know, and their lives were extinguished and they don't have a chance to redeem. I don't know what their particular, I don't know where they stood with God when they were, yes, when they yes. were eliminated. And so, and so because I don't know that I also don't know, I, I'm just not qualified to, to, split those arguments and go, well, here's a person that probably should spend some time in prison so that God can redeem them. And here's right, a person right. that should, that should just, that should uh, be, you know, given the death penalty because they're not going to, they're not going to be redeemed. That's why I'm saying, what's the purpose of yeah. putting somebody in prison for life for, for killing another human being? Um, yeah. If we're, if we're attempting to rehabilitate them, then, then what we shouldn't have is life sentences. Right. If we're, if we're not going to have the death penalty, if we're going to say that is, that is not something that we should do, then we also shouldn't have life sentences because Hmm. we should put people in prison until they're better. Right. 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 Until we judge um, that they have, that they are a different person than what they used to be. And so, right. uh, and in trying to think about how that would look, I'm equally stuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not, you're not making some definitive, this is, this is going to solve everything. You're just, again, ruminating on, on all of this and, um, and thinking it through and, Right. Well, You're right. It, what is, it is, as we say, a very sticky wicket. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> a sticky, it's a sticky wicket because I feel like we have overcomplicated it. You know, the, hmm. the, the scripture, there, there was no life in prison in, hmm. in ancient times. And I know there are people who would go, less well, because they were savages and we're much more sophisticated and civilized now. But are we? <laughs> Are we? Yeah. I mean, right. yeah. do we have do we have the power now in our penal system to take hardened criminals and turn them into law-abiding citizens? I would submit that we that we don't have that ability. And it used to be that if you killed somebody even accidentally, even if you killed somebody accidentally in the Old Testament, you had to go to a safe city. They established sanctuary cities where you would go and hide out. It was basically like uh, it was like base and tag, where the uh, where the Avenger they had they had people that their job was to go around and basically execute people who had killed people. There, if it was found yeah. and two witnesses verified that you had killed someone, then you were put to death. And if you did it accidentally, then you had to flee to these sanctuary cities so that the uh, so that the executioner wouldn't come and and kill you and so and i think that's fascinating because yeah even even though they acknowledged that it was an accident it was unintentional you still killed somebody and if you didn't go to the sanctuary city then you would be executed 
Why? Not because not because you were you were a bad person, not because you had evil and malice in your heart, but just because you killed another person. And right. so right. so you forfeit your life when you killed another person. If you didn't go to the sanctuary city. Yeah. So you could go you yeah. could go to the sanctuary city and be safe. But but the the all that mattered was the fact that you had taken a life from someone and and hmm. if you did it intentionally that was it you know there was no there was no well you know we're going to wait and see if you if you come around um because there's something i i don't know if you have ever been tempted to drive through a parade and mow people down um <laughs> and if you if you have i haven't but, right. but I will admit that there have been times when I have contemplated, not murdering somebody, but contem- I put myself in the shoes of somebody who is being on trial. I've, try- I've tried yeah. to imagine yeah. what it was like to be that person. And I've tried to imagine what thoughts would be going through my head if I was sitting there listening to the jury read out you know, the guilty verdict for all this stuff that I've done. What would be going through my head? And I, I don't know. I'm speculating that I can't, I can't think about what that person would be thinking about because that person's mind and, and spirit is controlled from a, by a different source than mine. And that's the only way I can think about it. The only, the only reason I haven't driven down a parade and, and mowed a bunch of people down is because the Spirit of God has prevented me from doing it. I think all of us at a base level are capable of great evil. And it's just those who are who are subject to the Holy Spirit. We're the ones that go, man, I can't imagine driving down a parade route. I can't I can't imagine killing those people in cold blood. But the reason yes. we can't imagine it is because because we're not controlled by the by the flesh anymore. Yes. And so I, I, I just wonder, I, I think I'm, I think I'm pro death penalty. Um, I think that it is, I think it simplifies a lot of things. And I think it, uh, I, I think it's easy to understand. You know, if I kill a yes. person, if I kill a person, I'm going to forfeit my life. And I think there's still going to be evil. I think there's still going to be murder. But I, there's a part of me that says that there would be a, there are a number of murders that wouldn't happen because if a person really believed that if they catch me, they're going to kill me too, I think that would change some of their decisions. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But, but yeah. What do I know? <laughs> There it is. Time's up. Yeah, time's up. That wasn't the, wasn't the time's up thing, but here's the... All right. I, I know. I know. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on, Dave. Look for uh, Fisher's Comedy and Magic opening soon in Fisher's, Indiana. Uh, look for Dave Pendleton. Yeah. Fisher's Comedy and Magic.com. Keep tracking back. Yeah. 
check it out and uh and we'll see you next time Paul. oh you know what i don't know how to i don't know how to turn this on, Hang on a say something dave say something <laughs> Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.